Tapas, as we look at these scriptures tonight, help us to be able to be challenged and to learn something from your Bible. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we're looking at the story there in Genesis chapter number 4, and uh, we just got done looking at the story of Cain and Abel last week, and we saw there how Cain was, for the first time, a human being died. Cain slew his brother uh, Abel there. And we just got the last grip of that story in verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slay Cain, because remember Cain was complaining, he said, uh, about the punishment that God gave him, it was too much. And he said, When people find me, they're going to kill me. So verse 15, God said, uh, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slay Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, and lest any finding him should kill him. But I want you to see, well, look at verse 16 again. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So if you remember, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. And when they sinned, God cast them out of the Garden of Eden and they were still in the land of Eden. They were just not in the Garden of Eden. Well, now Cain has been exiled from the land of Eden. The Bible says he went to dwell in the land of Nod that's on the east of Eden. Does that make sense? And look at verse 17. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. Enoch is Cain's son. I want you to follow where I'm going. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. So Enoch is Cain's son. And builded a city, and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Look at verse 18. And Enoch was born, and, and unto Enoch was born Irad. So Irad, we see, is Enoch's son, and Enoch is... Cain's son, so Irad is Cain's grandson. And Irad begat Mehujael, so Mehujael is Cain's great-grandson, is that correct? And Mehujael begat Methusael, so now we have Cain's great-great-grandson. And Methusael begat Lamech. So Lamech is Cain's great-great-great-grandson. Do we see that? Now look at verse 19. And Lamech took unto him two wives. This is the first time in the Bible we find somebody having multiple wives. Not a good thing. The first time polygamy is mentioned in the Bible. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other is Zila. And Ada bare Jabal. Let's skip those verses. Go down to verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives... That's a problem. He's, he said, it doesn't say he talked to his wife. He talked to his wives because he's got two of them. I want you to understand this. These aren't godly people. Someone who's got two wives is not a godly person. And he said, Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah. And look what he says. Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech. And he said, For I have slain a man to my wounding. Now, before we just continue on there, I want you to, to take a note of this. This is the second time somebody has been killed that the Bible references. We just got done preaching through the story of Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. And we saw there Cain's punishment was that he was uh, exiled from the land of Eden. He went to live in, in Nod, which is east of Eden. And he began to have a family. And, and now we're down to his, grand, to his son, and his grandson, his great-grandson, his great-great-grandson, and his great-great-great-grandson. And we have here Lamech, and he says, I have slain a man to my wounding. Just like his great-great-great-grandfather Cain. And he said, I've slain a man, but look what he says, to my wounding. So somebody who wounded him. And a young man to my, hurt, to my hurt. So he felt justified in killing this man. 
And look at verse 24. It says, If Cain, which is his grandfather, correct? Great, 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 great grandfather. Is that right? It said, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy and sevenfold. Lamech compares himself to Cain and justifies himself because he doesn't believe to be as bad as Cain. What I want you to see from the story is point number one, what we're going to look at the sex is, well, let me tell you what we're preaching about. We're preaching about this. Here's, here's the title of the sermon. What heritage are you leaving? What heritage are you leaving? What heritage are you leaving for your children? Or what heritage are you leaving for your, your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren? Because we have the ability by our either godly life or ungodly life, by our godly heritage or our ungodly heritage, to set our family on a course of sin. Now I'm not saying, the Bible says that every person is responsible for their own actions, and every person has the ability to make their own decisions, but sadly, in the Bible, we find time and time and time again, that one person will make a decision for their family, and that person sets the course of that family, that sets that family in a life of sin for generations. I mean, do you see that Cain killed somebody? And he made a decision, he made to kill, some, to kill somebody, and God gave him a chance to get right. And he said, no, I will not get right. And he said, I will go from the presence of God. I will go from the land of Eden. I'm going to establish my family. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to live the way I want to. I'm going to live like hell, and I'm going to live like the devil, and I'm going to live like uh, everything that God doesn't want me to do. And hundreds of years later, we see a man who killed somebody and says, hey, I'm not as bad as Cain. And Cain left a heritage for his family of sin to a point where his descendants were sinning and performing the same sin and saying, well, I'm not as bad as Cain. And if Cain is going to be, uh, he said, if Cain will be avenged sevenfold, then truly they make seventy and sevenfold. Cain lived a sinful life that led his descendants to do the same. Even to the place where his great, great, great grandson would justify his own sin by comparing himself to good old great-grandpa there, Cain. Let me give you another example. Go to 1 Corinthians with me. Chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians. If you're in Genesis, you want to go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 1 and 2 Samuel. I'm sorry, Judges, Ruth, 1 and 2 Samuel, and then you'll be in 1 Kings. 1 Kings. And look at... Chapter number 12. First Kings, chapter number 12 in the Old Testament. First Kings, chapter number 12 in the Old Testament. And I'll wait for you to get there. And it's, it's a very common thing. It's, it's, it's funny, because you see people in the Bible always doing the sins of their fathers. If you remember the story, Abraham, and we'll get to it uh, eventually in Genesis, Abraham goes down into Egypt, and he, uh, he has his wife there, and he says, man, my wife is uh, uh, very pretty, very very uh, nice to look upon, I, I, and if I go to Egypt, uh, some of those people might want to take my wife from me, and he, says, and, and he asks his wife, he says, hey, look, let's tell the people of Egypt that you're my sister. Don't tell them you're my wife, because I don't want them to kill me, let's just tell them you're my sister. And he goes down, and, and that whole story there, and, and he, he lied to the people in Egypt, and, um, and, and that whole story there, you know, it's a sermon that could be preached there. But it, it's funny to me that years later, his son Isaac does the exact same thing. Goes, goes down, and he tells his wife, hey, let's lie, and let's say you're my sister. You think he would have learned the lesson from Abraham, but Abraham performed a sin, and his, and his son followed in suit. 
We find King David having multiple wives. And, and what do we see Solomon do? Multiple wives. Okay, I, I believe, I may be wrong, I believe David had seven wives that are mentioned in the scriptures, and Solomon had 700 wives. So a lot of times our kids do what we do, but they take it to the next extreme. And I want you to look at, are you in 1 Kings chapter number 12? Look at this, it's very interesting. 1 Kings chapter number 12 and verse 25. Now we're going to use our Bibles a lot here for a second. And I just want you to see something that's very repetitive in the Bible. 1 Kings chapter number 12 and look at verse 25. The Bible says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and dwelt therein, and went out from, the, from thence, and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now, just, just so you don't understand what's going on, King David has already died, Solomon has already died, uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was supposed to take the kingdom, but because uh, a certain situation there, they, they asked him for something, he, he spoke uh, badly to the people, and they revolted from him, and the split, the, the kingdom of Israel split into two separate kingdoms. There's, a, there's the, the kingdom of Judah, which is still being uh, under the authority of King David's lineage, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And then there's the tribes of Israel who made their own uh, nation. So there's two kingdoms now in Israel, Judah and Israel. And Israel has selected Jeroboam as their king. Now, I'm, I'm just going to try to explain to you real quickly because there's so much Bible to go through. But in Israel, they were supposed to go to a certain place every year and perform a sacrifice. Well, that place was located in the kingdom of Judah. Well, the king of Israel said, I don't want my people to go every year to perform that sacrifice in Judah. So he said, I'm going to build an altar and I'm going to have my people perform that sacrifice that God told them to perform in Judah. He said, I'm going to have them do it here. And that's what we're reading about. Look at verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So he's saying, if the people return to Jerusalem and they return to go do the sacrifice, he said, they're going to want to go back, they're going to want to unite the kingdom, they're going to kill me. So look at verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. And said unto them, is it, too mu- it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Isn't that crazy? He made two golden calves. And he said, hey, it's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. It's too much for you to go to Judah. I'm gonna, let's just do sacrifice to these, to these uh, idols here. And he, said, and he says to them, behold your God that brought you out of Egypt. Isn't that blasphemous? Yeah. Look at verse 29. And he said... The one in Bethel. So he put one in the city of Bethel. And the other he put in Dan. Look at verse 30. And this thing became a sin. That's what the Bible says. For the people went to worship before one even unto Dan. So, so God said. So uh, Jeroboam establishes this idolatry in Israel. And this is what God comments on it. He says, this thing became a sin. The fact that they weren't going to Jerusalem and they weren't performing the sacrifice that God had told them to perform it, but they were going to some golden calf and and worshiping that golden calf and saying, this calf brought us out of Egypt. And the Bible, he he makes this comment about Jeroboam. Um, He says, this thing became a sin. You're in 1 Kings chapter number 12 and verse 30. I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter number 14. 1 Kings chapter number 14 and look at verse 16. 1 Kings chapter number 14 and look at verse 16. 
Another comment about this, this, the Bible says, and he shall give Israel up, talking about God, and it says, because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin, Jeroboam, so the Bible says, because of the sins of Jeroboam, who did sin, and then look what it says, and who made Israel to sin. So the Bible says that Jeroboam, not only did he sin, but he caused it, and he made the rest of the nation to sin. Look at verse 15 and, 20, and verse 25. 1 Kings chapter number 15 and look at verse 25. It gets worse. 1 Kings chapter number 15 and verse 25. Look what it says. And Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, Jeroboam dies. And now his son is going to become king. Look what it says. 1 Kings 15 25. And Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned over Israel two years. So it says, hey, Nadab is now the king. Jeroboam died. His son Nadab became king. Look at verse 26. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what? Look what it says. In the way of his father, and in his sin, wherewith he made Israel to sin. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says that Nadab, Jeroboam's son, walked in the way of his father, and in his sin, wherewith he made Israel to sin. Look at verse 33 in the same chapter. 1 Kings chapter number 15 and verse 33. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, began Baasha, the son of Ahijah, to reign over all Israel. So now a new king has become the king of Israel in Terza. Twenty and four years. Look what it says in verse 34. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of... What, what does that say? Jeroboam. And in his sin... Wherewith he made Israel to sin. Go to chapter number 16 and verse 25. 1 Kings 16, 25. 1 Kings 16, 25. Look what it says. But Amri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did worse than all that were before him. And he walked... So Amri is a new king. And look what it says. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin to provoke the Lord, God of Israel, to anger with their vanities. Go to 1 Kings chapter number 22 and verse 51. Are you catching on what I'm trying to show you? Jeroboam makes one decision. He says, I don't want them to go back to Jerusalem. I don't want them to go back to Israel, uh, to, to Judah. I, I don't want Israel to be united again. He says, I'm going to make an idol, and I'm going to have the people worship here. And God said that Jeroboam made the people to sin. But when Jeroboam dies, and his son takes over, the Bible says that his son continues in his sin, and every king since then continues in the same sin. Uh, I told you to go to chapter 22, right? Look at verse 51. 1 Kings 22, look at verse 51. And Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel. So we have a new king. In Samaria, the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father, and in the ways of his mother, and in the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Go to 2 Kings chapter number 3 and look at verse 1. 2 Kings chapter number 3 and look at verse 1. Is it repetitive? It's pretty repetitive, isn't it? 2 Kings 3.1. Just look at verse 33. 2 Kings 3.33. It says, Nevertheless, talking about the new king Jehoram, the son of Ahab. Ahab. Verse 3 says, Nevertheless, he clave unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel to sin. 2 Kings chapter number 10 and verse 28. Let me read it for you. 
You can turn there if you like, but I'm just going to start reading some of these for you because there's so many of them. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel, howbeit from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them. Let me read 2 Kings 10.31 for you. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart, for he departed not from the sin of Jeroboam, which made Israel to sin. You don't have to turn there, let me just read them for you. 2 Kings chapter number 3, uh, 13 and verse 1 says, In the three and twentieth year of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel and Samaria, and reigned seventeen years, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which made Israel to sin. Second Kings 14.24 says, And he did, talking about a new king, he says, And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Second Kings 15.9, talking about a new king, says, And he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin. Second Kings 15.18, about a new king said from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nabat who made Israel to sin referring to the fact that he didn't depart not 2 Kings 15 23 and 24 talking about yet again a new king it says and he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nabat who made Israel to, to sin 2 Kings 15 28 talking about a new king says he departed not from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nabat who made Israel to sin now you say Pastor Jimenez that's pretty repetitive that you chose all those verses but I'm trying to show you something God made a point because he said one man decided to do one thing and he ruined a whole generation of people I mean son after son after son after son king after king after king after king and do you realize this? That the two kingdoms, when they were split, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Israel was always evil. The kingdom of Israel always did bad. The kingdom of Judah sometimes had good kings and sometimes had bad kings. Sometimes it says of Judah that the king did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Or sometimes like Josiah and other kings who did right and they weren't perfect, but they did right. And the Bible says every once in a while when you're reading about Judah, it'll say that they had a good king and then they had a bad king and they had a good king and a bad king and maybe they had a bad king and a bad king, but then they had a, a good king who followed the Lord. But Israel just consistently, king after king after king after king, did wrong because of one sin, one decision, one choice that Jeroboam made right at the beginning he said just right from the beginning we're going to put these idols and the Bible says every time every king followed in the sin of their father and the point I'm trying to make for you today is this the choices you make right now are going to affect your children and the choices you make today will affect your children's children and your children's children's children and your great great grandchildren and, and, and you say you look at America tonight and you say man our, our is messed up and once we had this country that loved God and loved the Bible and loved preaching and what has happened I'm telling you what happened the reason we have our society as messed up as it is today because a long time ago one person decided oh my sin isn't that bad and that sin went to their children and that sin went to their children's children and children's children and here we are today because the heritage that we leave for our kids, Cain, might affect your great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren. And it doesn't take much longer from Lamech for us to get to the place where God is looking down from heaven and saying, everyone is doing evil. Everyone is doing evil continually. And he floods the entire world. He said, we're just going to start over because it's too bad. Isn't that horrible? I mean, we go from Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel, loving God, and because of one choice that Cain makes... 
his descendants do bad, bad, we get to Lamech, now he's killing people, and just a chapter later, two chapters later, the whole world has gone bad, and we have the story of Noah and the ark, because God just decides it's too bad, it's just too, they're too evil, they're too violent, we're just going to have to start over, and he wipes all mankind off, except for Noah, and um, eight souls that were saved there, um, that the Bible talks about, and God just starts over, and all because of one decision that Cain made. And I've got to ask this question. Cain, what are you doing? What are you deciding? What decision are we making today? What am I, as, as, a, as a husband of my kids, what am I uh, allowing in my life that I know, well, maybe that's not exactly what God wants. And I know that that's not exactly what the Bible wants. But I say, well, it's just my sin and I'm just going to do it anyway. What am I doing that's going to affect generations to come? Because Jeroboam just said, hey, look, I'm just looking out for myself. I don't want them to go back to Jerusalem. Really not that big of a deal. I'm going to put these idols. But he just set Israel on a path where they just never did right. Now just real quickly, I want you to look at some verses. Go to Psalms 16. Psalm 16 and look at verse 6. Psalm 16 and look at verse 6. Psalm 16 and look at verse 6. If you open your Bible, just if you if you take your Bible and you just open it, split right down the, in the center, you're more than likely going to open up in the book of Psalms. It's just right in the center. Psalm 16, and look at verse 6. Look what David said. He says, The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant place. Yea, I have a godly heritage. I'm sorry, he said a goodly heritage. He said, The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant place. In, in pleasant places. The lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. He's saying, man, you know what? You know what David is saying? He's saying, man, I was fortunate. The lines were falling unto me in pleasant places. He said, I was fortunate. He says, yea, I have a goodly heritage. Look at Psalm 61 and verse 5. Psalm 61 and verse 5. There in the book of Psalms, Psalm 61 and verse 5. Psalm 61 and verse 5, the Bible says... For thou, I'll wait for you to get there, I want you to see it. Psalm 61 and verse 5. Psalm 61 and verse 5. The Bible says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. And you know, I've got to wonder this. Maybe David, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, you know what David was blessed, I mean, beyond belief. The Bible says, God told David, I promise you, I'm making a promise, I'm making a covenant with you, that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ himself will come from your lineage, from your descendants. God said to David that the Lord Jesus Christ will sit for eternity on the throne of David. Isn't that a, quite a blessing? And could it be that maybe David who was given the great opportunity to kill Goliath, who was given the great opportunity to do all these great things in his life, and we understand that he sinned, and he had issues too, and he was a human, and we understand all that. But, but the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says that, that God loved David, and God gave a covenant to David, and God blessed David. Could it be that this man who was so blessed of God, maybe it was because, like he says here, he, he just had a goodly heritage. He just had maybe a mom and a dad who, who weren't perfect, but they taught him to love God, and taught him to love the Bible and taught him to love the Lord and he just had that goodly heritage. Maybe David has such a love and a devotion to God because of his godly heritage. Because of his goodly heritage. 
You know that our children watch all we do? You know that? You know that our kids, they watch everything we do? I, uh, a few nights ago, my son was a little sick. I don't know where my wife was. I think she was, maybe she was going out to the store or, or maybe she was just doing something. And I was laying on the couch here. And, and while I was laying on the couch, my son uh, was laying, uh, but he didn't want to be by himself. So I sat next to him and I'm, we're laying on the couch together. And I'm just sitting on the couch and he's laying next to me. And he's got his little blanket. I put his blanket over me. And I, you know, I take my Bible and I grab a pen and I start reading the Bible, studying a little bit. And I'm writing notes down. And, uh, and, and my son sees me doing that. He says, Daddy, Daddy, where's my Bible? And I said, okay, I'll go get your Bible. So I get up, and I go, and I grab the Bible, and I bring it over to him. Now, keep in mind, he's only three years old. He doesn't know how to read, but he wanted his Bible. So I sit down, and he grabs his Bible, and I open my Bible, and I'm reading, and I'm writing notes or whatever. And he's opening his Bible, and he's reading away. Now, he doesn't know how to read, but he's reading his Bible. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm just reading, and he just jumps up. and I mean, literally just jumps up and just, like, zooms out, and he, and he runs somewhere over there. I'm like, man, you know, what, went, what came over him? What is he doing? And he runs back. And he's running back with his Bible and a pen in his hand. And he runs back and he sits down and he snuggles in. He opens his Bible and he takes his pen. And he puts it in his ear. Because he saw me. I was writing notes and I put... I don't know why I have this habit where I put, I put the pen in my ear. And my son runs in and he takes his pen and he puts it in his ear. And he's reading his Bible. Just like, just like his dad. And I, you know, I thought that was funny. And I was like... You know, and I was, and, I, and this, this, this thought overwhelmingly came over me. This little boy is watching everything I do. This little boy is watching everything I do. That little boy, Joel, is going to grow up watching his dad. And King David grew up watching his heritage. He said, he said the lions are falling unto me in pleasant places. He says, I have a goodly heritage. And Jeroboam's son, hey, he was watching his son, his dad too. And he said, my dad didn't care about the sin. I won't care about the sin. And, and his son, and his son, and his son, and Cain's son, and Cain's grandson, and Cain's grandson. And I'm telling you, we have a, we have a, the choice today to either influence our kids and influence our society for good or for evil, but your kids are watching you. As our children watch daddy, and as our children watch mommy violate truths in the Bible, we ruin that godly heritage. We ruin that next generation. As they sit there and they learn the Bible, and they, and they learn, you know, they listen to the preaching, and they, learn, and they learn what is right and what is wrong, and then they go home, and they see mom and dad violate those truths, and they, they, here's what they learn. Mommy didn't think it was that important. Daddy didn't think it was that important. It must not be that important. You want to know how we got to the place we're at in America? That's exactly how we got to the place we're at in America. A whole lot of Christians went to church, played a part, opened their Bibles, sang the hymns, went home, put the Bible away, and didn't live the way that they were supposed to. And that great generation, that great generation of the 1940s and the 1950s that decided that they were going to send their women off to work and decided that they were going to uh, just care about money and decided that they were going to stop. You know, they still went to church. They were good people. They went to church. They, uh, they, they took their Bibles. They sang the hymns. But it wasn't real to them. It wasn't great to them. And guess who they brought into uh, into our generation? A bunch of dope-smoking hippies that came into this country and they said, Mommy and Daddy were fake. Mommy and Daddy weren't real. It doesn't matter. And here's what they did. David had seven sons. Solomon says, I'm going to have 700 sons. 700 wives. And somebody's watching you tonight and they're watching you and everything you do they might not say and they might not verbalize it but they're putting it in the back of their head and one day they're going to grow up and they're going to say, Church isn't that important. It's just hypocrites. And we've got a chance 
Our children take no when they never watch us pray, and then they never learn to pray. Our children take no when they never watch us read our Bibles, and then they never read the Bible. And you know, we live in a society where children have become an inconvenience. Everybody I talk to, it seems like, I don't want to have kids because I've got my career. I don't want to have kids because it's going to affect my social life. I don't want to have kids because it's going to... Look, the most important thing that God has given you is those kids. And we'd rather be in sin because it makes us happy than make sure that that next generation has a heritage where they're going to stand up and they're going to say, Hey, God has given me a goodly heritage. And I don't know about the rest of America and I don't know about the rest of this church, but bless God, I want to give my kids a goodly heritage. You want to know, you want to know why? Let me show you the result of a goodly heritage. Go back to Genesis chapter number 4. Look at verse 25. Genesis chapter number 4 and look at verse 25. Genesis chapter number 4 and look at verse 25. Genesis chapter number 4 and look at verse 25. Look what the Bible says. So we saw Cain's descendants. Cain killed Abel. And we saw where that led them. But look at Genesis 4.25. The Bible says, And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And look what it says, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. And look what it says. Do you see, do you, do you have a King James Bible in your hand? Do you see what it says? It said he called his name Enos. Do you see, what, what is that little uh, symbol that comes right after the, the name Enos? Colon. A colon. You see that? Now, colon means what? The next sentence has to do with the last sentence. Correct? It says, and he called his name Enos, colon, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. You see that? The Bible says that in, uh, let, let me, let me read it for you. In Romans, you don't have to turn there. In Romans chapter number 10, Verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when the Bible uses that word, um, call upon the name of the Lord, it's talking about people getting saved. It's talking about people believing on, on, on God. Now it's really funny to me, not funny, I mean I know God did it for a reason. He shows us Cain, and He shows us his bloodline, and He shows us his descendants, and He shows us what they did. But then He says, hey, I, I gave, uh, it, it didn't end with Abel dying there. I gave them another son. I gave Adam and Eve another son. His name was Seth, and Seth had a son uh, whose name was Enos. And the Bible says about Enos, it, it, there's a colon there because it has to do with Enos. It says, Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, When Enos was born, then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. I gather from this that Enos had something to do with the fact that men were calling upon the name of the Lord. Does that make sense? That's pretty simple to see, right? Could it be that Seth, could it be that Grandpa Adam and Grandpa and Grandma Eve there gave Enos what Cain would not give his children, which is a goodly heritage? And that influenced Enos, the place where God says about Enos, when he was born, when he came into this world, at that moment began man to call upon the name of the Lord. Our children are watching us, mommy and daddy. And they either love and serve God, because they learn it from us, like Enos, or they live a worldly, selfish lifestyle, like Lamech, who learned it from his grandfather, Cain. 
See, we can produce... I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's pessimistic. I believe right now we can produce a generation of young people who turn our nation back to God. I, I would to God that I would have that one of my sons, Joshua, or one of my sons, Joel, or one of my sons that, 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 that I'm sure I, I'm, I'm to have in the future, that would to God that God would look down at my son, Joshua, and say, Hey, Joshua, when Joshua was born to America, then America turned back to God. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be a great heritage if God uh, looked down at Joel and God said, Hey, Joel had a daddy, and Joel had a grandpa, and Joel had a family that set him upright and gave him a good heritage, and then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Wouldn't that be great? Like it says that about Enoch. But see, one person has to decide to make a difference. Let me show you. Let me show you a verse. Go back to Psalm 106. Go back to Psalm 106. We're going to look at a few a few scriptures, and we'll be done. It's not a very deep sermon. I understand. But it's a good truth. Look at Psalm 106 and look at verse 6. Psalm 106 and look at verse 6. Psalm 106 and look at verse 6. It says, We have sinned with our fathers. Now, I want you to understand this. You may be here tonight and you say, I don't have any kids. This sermon doesn't apply. This sermon applies to you too. And it applies to every single one of us because here's the thing. Psalm 106, David writes, We have sinned with our fathers. Now, he's not referring to his dad. Because remember, David said, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. So he's not referring to his, like, dad. But he's referring to the generation before him. When he says our fathers, he's talking about people before him. Because look what it says. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Look at verse 7, 106.7. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies... There was not one of them left. Then believed they his works. They sang his praises. But look at verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saints of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan, and covered the company of... Abiram, and a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things in the Red Sea. Look at verse 23. Psalm 106.23 Therefore he said, that he would destroy them. Had Moses his chosen stood before him in the, in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. I want you to remember that. God said, I'm going to destroy them, but Moses interceded and he said, and, and he stood before God and, and he didn't destroy them. Look at verse uh, 27. Well, look at verse 28. Then joined themselves also unto Baalport. Baal, Baal Pior, or Baal Por, however you want to pronounce it, I don't, I don't really know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but Baal Por is, is the god uh, 
Baal, which Ahaz worshipped, which is literally Satan, is sat- sat- satanic worshipping. And David is talking about his fathers, that last generation. And he said, they, they joined themselves also unto Baalpur, and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so all the plague was stayed, and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. I want you to see this. That generation in the wilderness died in the wilderness. They didn't go to the promised land. But the Bible says that that generation produced a generation that did go into the promised land. And that generation did not go into the promised land because of that prior generation of fathers who worshipped Baal poor and who uh, murmured against God. But God does say that that generation moved on to worship God and to walk with God and to go on to those victories because of this. Men like Moses and men like Phineas and men like Joshua. And let me tell you something. It doesn't take much for there to be a change in this country. It doesn't take much for there to be a, a change in your family. It doesn't take much. It only takes one person. Person. It only takes one person. Look, look what verse 32 says. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. Look at verse 35. But were mingled among the heathen, and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. Now, David is talking about physically the children of Israel literally joined themselves unto the wicked, joined themselves into wicked, heathenistic religion. And he's talking about they literally took their sons and they literally sacrificed them to, the de- to devils. But you know what? Today, we have fathers, and we have mothers, and we've got grandparents, and we've got uncles, and we've got aunts, and we've got neighbors, and we've got people who are supposed to be helping us raise the next generation, bring the next Enos, bring the next David, bring us into the next uh, victory for God, but instead, because they mingle themselves with the world, and they mingle themselves with the ungodly, and they mingle themselves, and they want to have their sin, and their fun, and they're literally, they're just... Sacrificing their sons and their daughters to devils. I'm telling you, you go ahead and you have your fun and, and you look at what the Bible says and you say, and you just spit on God and say, Well, I know God says I should do this. Well, I know that God says I shouldn't do this. But I'm just going to mingle myself with the world and I'm going to become friends with the world and I'm going to do everything that God says not to do. And I'm going to tell you something the result is going to be your children will be sacrificed to the devil. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to see your kids in drugs or you're going to see your kids on, uh, um, having sex before marriage or you're going to see your kids worshiping the world and worshiping the devil and you're going to wake up and say, what have I done? And I'm not going to wake up and say that because I'm just going to decide, hey, I'm going to serve God. And it doesn't matter who serves God with me. It doesn't matter if my wife gets on board or she doesn't. Hey, bless God. We need a generation of people to stand up and say, hey, these kids are worth fighting for. America's worth fighting for. Amen. I, we need an Enoch who will turn people back to God. But it's not going to happen till you get right with God. You say, I don't have any kids. Or I don't have any kids in the house anymore. It doesn't matter. My kids need to see you serving God. 
My, my grandkids are going to have to see their parents serving God and they're going to have to see their granddaddy serving God. Go to Numbers 25.1. Let me show you just one last thing. We'll be done. Numbers 25.1. Numbers 25.1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. This is a story that David was referring to in Psalms. Numbers 25.1, he says this, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people into the sacrifice of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. You've seen that? They began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab. They began to worship other gods. They joined themselves with people, with the with uh, other people there, and they sacrificed to their gods, and the people did eat and bowed themselves to their gods. Look at verse 3. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And look what it says. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people, and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal for, because God is destroying them. God is cursing them. God is saying, Hey, your people have joined themselves with the world. And he said, We've got to fix this. So look at verse 25 and verse 6. Look at verse 25 and verse 6 and just look at the, the, the brazen sin that these people do. Look at verse 26. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman. Look what it says. In the sight of Moses. And in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. I want you to get, to get the story. The people are joining themselves in whoredom with the Moabites. God is mad about it and God is cursing them. Moses and his men there are at the... They said, it says that they're at the door of the tabernacle and they're weeping and they're asking, God, God, can you please save our nation? God, can you please do something? And as they're doing that, some guy brings some woman and in front of them is committing adultery in front of them. Isn't that brazen? Can you imagine that? But that, see, that happens, that happens every day in America. I've been surprised, I've been a pastor for six weeks, and I've been surprised in the six weeks as I go out knocking doors and talking to people and dealing with people, I've been surprised how brazen people are. You know, and I, look, I'm not saying I'm anything special, I'm not anything, but, but you know, when you talk to somebody and you're talking to them as a pastor, you think they'd at least have some sh- a little bit of shame when it comes to their sin. But they say, you know what, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm into this, or I'm into that, or they lie to your face, or whatever. But maybe, you know, maybe it's my fault that America's in the shape it is. Because when Phineas was with Moses, and they were bowed down at the door of the tabernacle, and they're weeping for their country that's being destroyed, and this jerk comes along with the Moabitish woman, and he's going to fornicate in front of them. He's going to commit adultery in front of them. Here's what we say in America. The pastors say, oh, well, you know what? God loves you. But look what, look what Phineas did. Numbers 25.7. And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Is- uh, after the man of Israel unto the tent, and look what it says, and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Isn't that quite a story? I mean, they're praying because of this sin, this sexual sin. They're praying, saying, God, can you please help our nation? And this guy just blatantly. 
woman into a tent. You know what? Phineas stood up and he said, I'm sick and tired of this garbage. And he takes the javelin. He walks into there. And as they're doing what they're doing, he thrusts them through, through the belly. And he kills them. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 8. And he went up to the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. And look what it says. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is what the Lord said, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned my wrath. Look what it says. Phineas hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. You say, what can I do? You can be zealous towards God. You can have a zealous anger towards sin. And God said, the Bible says, 20 and 4,000 people died and one man stopped the plague. One man who just decided, I'm, I'm done with this garbage. I'm going to get angry and I'm going to get zealous. And he literally walked in and he stopped the act. And the Bible says when he did that, God said, I am well pleased. And he stopped the plague. And the nation was saved. You know that America is in a, has a plague of sin tonight? Did you know that? Do you know that? I don't know if you know this, but America is in trouble tonight. You might think that we're, you know, we're a godly nation, and look, I, I, you know, I understand that our, our heritage is a Christian heritage, and, 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 and I understand all that, but we are in trouble tonight when Christians think it's okay to be in sin. And they think God, God wants me to be happy. Fuck that in the Bible. The Bible never tells you, God will never tell you He wants you to be happy. God tells you He wants you to be right with Him. But I, I'm telling you tonight, while Christians just live in sin and they damn the next generation to hell, there's got to be somebody, just one person, just one church, that's going to say, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to stand up against it. You say, I'm all alone. Do you know that the Bible says that you can... You know that there's many, many, many single mothers in the Bible who raise their kids right for God? So I don't have a husband. You can do... All it takes is one person. The Bible says in Ezekiel that um, God says, I sought for a man among them to build up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the nation that I might not destroy him. God said, I was looking to destroy the nation. And He said, if I could just find one person, I would heal their land. One person. That's all it takes. I need, I need a husband to help me raise my kids. No, your kids need one person that's right with God. My kids need one person, and this country needs one person. And you go ahead, and you get mad, and you do what you want. But let me tell you something. I'm telling you, on the story of the Bible, you're sacrificing your kids to the devil. And I'm sacrificing my kids to the devil, and we're all just sacrificing the next generation of the devil if we don't get on our knees and decide to get right with God. But you don't care, and that's why there's no hope. But maybe there is somebody here who would just say, you know what, I- I'm going to get on board with God. And that's what I want to challenge you. Because Cain had a choice. God said to Cain, sin lies at the door, you get to make a choice, and when he decided to walk away from God, he took the rest of his family with him. And that's the truth. But Seth had a son, and, the, and God said, man, I was pleased with that one. I was pleased with him, and man began to call upon the name of the Lord. It's not too late. We can get right with God tonight. But we've got to decide that God is more important than our sin life. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father.